The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, hey, when I was a kid, <clears throat> the movie of my childhood was Back to the Future, all right? I'm an 80s kid, and so uh, 1985, Marty McFly, played by the Michael J. Fox, uh, captured my attention and my awe and my wonder with him and Doc Brown doing that DeLorean thing, get it going 85 miles an hour. You could go to any, any year you wanted to. They'd go back in time, right? Then four years later, uh, Back to the Future 2 came out, and it, it changed my life. Changed my life, right? Um, because back to, in Back to the Future 2, Marty and the Doc didn't travel back in time. They went to the future, Right? And, and, and not just to any old date in the future, they went 30 years into the future, all the way to the year 2015, right? And in this futuristic world of 2015, um, there was some amazing stuff going on, right? There was self-tying shoes. There, there were hoverboards, I'm talking skateboards without wheels, you remember this, that would hover over the ground and you could basically fly on a skateboard. How cool is that? And then my favorite, perhaps, flying cars. <laughs> flying cars. You know you want a flying car when you're trying to drive across Lincoln and you keep hitting red light after red light after red light after red light. Flying cars. It was supposed to be incredible, right? I remember eight years ago, January of 2015, I was standing in, in line at, at Chipotle, of all places, I think just ordering up a burrito or something, and, and they had this little sign, this little cheeky sign that only Chipotle could have that, that read, 2015, and still no flying cars. Huh? And for an 80s child like me, it was a huge letdown. You know, it was just a major bummer, a big disappointment, right? Well, listen, this time of year can feel a little bit like that, too. Um, I don't know about you, but there's always a little bit of holiday letdown that, that happens right around the, the turn of, of the year. The parties are over, okay? The gifts are unwrapped. The, the Christmas music ceases. Um, one of these days, I'm going to come home, and our Christmas tree will be tossed out there at the curb, and it'll be my job to haul it off to the shredder, right? Um, everything goes back to, to normal now. And even on the church calendar, <laughs> Advent is over, Right? Um, all the stories, all the traditions, all the Advent things that maybe you, that you've done um, on your own or with family, it's all over. All the talk of the, the first Advent, the, the first coming of Christ, it's, it's done, it's over. All the focus that we give in, in the month of December in that season of Advent on the, on the church calendar, on the, on the second Advent, the second coming of Christ, that's all done. Advent is over, January has come, and Life just keeps going, and there can be a sense of 2023, and Jesus still hasn't returned. A letdown, a disappointment perhaps even, and all the cultural letdown that naturally happens at this time of year compounds it. Well, in this passage today, Jesus wants to tell us, he wants to tell you, that the entire Christian life actually is lived in Advent, and therefore... Stay awake. Stay awake. That's what Jesus says to his disciples here through Mark's gospel. It's what he says to us. It's what he says to you. Verse 37, what I say to you, I say to all. 
Stay awake. Church, I want us to stay awake in 2023. And this passage here is helpful to that end. Here's what I want us to see this morning from this text. Number one, Jesus will return. He will. He says so. But number two, we don't know when. And therefore, number three, we're charged with staying awake. First, Jesus will return. Now listen, Mark 13 is a, is a pretty exciting chapter in the Bible. I don't know if you've read it lately. It's pretty exciting. It begins with Jesus foretelling of the temple destruction. Then the, the disciples ask him, like, hey, when's, when's that going to happen? That sounds like kind of a big thing. When, when's that going to happen? And what are the signs going to be that we should look for? And he tells them, look, there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be natural disasters. And so be on guard. There's going to be persecution, he tells them. But, but you, you're going to be my witnesses. He's preparing them, see? Then it's going to get worse, he says. There's going to come this thing called the abomination of desolation. Something I believe happened in the year 70 AD when Titus, the son of Emperor Vespasian, who would later himself be emperor, Titus and his Roman troops attacked Jerusalem in the year AD 70. The temple was set on fire. It was completely destroyed. There was a time of great tribulation. And in Mark 13, Jesus is telling his disciples, all of this is going to go down. Like it was stuff that they could expect even in their own lifetime. Jesus never promises us a life of ease and comfort, does he? Mark uses words all throughout Mark 13 saying these things and these days and those days. But when he gets to verse 32 in our text today, he changes from talking about these things and these days to talking about that day. And that day, as he tells us in the parable, is the day when the master will return. The day when Christ himself will come back. Look at Mark 13, verse 32 in your Bible. It says, but concerning that day or that hour, Jesus says, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. You don't know when the time will come. He doesn't say you don't know if the time will come. He doesn't say we don't know if that day will come. He says you don't know when. See, Jesus assures his disciples and he assures us he will return. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. In fact, all of the New Testament supports this. Remember Jesus' words in, in John 14 where he says, in my father's house there's a lot of rooms. Got a big old house. And he says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Or in Acts chapter 1, at, right after the resurrection, right at the ascension, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight, took Jesus up, remember? And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, these are angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Or Paul in Titus chapter 2. 
He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter gets in on it too. In 2 Peter 3, Peter's talking about the, the scoffers. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? Like, where's this Jesus that you're, you keep talking about? Where's he at? You keep saying he's going to come back. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. These are the scoffers in Peter's day saying, everything's just normal. It just keeps going. Like, you thought Jesus was going to come, but where is he? Everything's just normal. And then Peter adds, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord when Christ will return. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done with it will be exposed. The Apostle John chimes in. Saying, and now little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. The author of Hebrews, just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And Revelation 22, Jesus himself he says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Church, Jesus himself, the angels at the ascension, Paul, Peter, John, the author of Hebrews, and Jesus himself again, the last word of scripture, like the overwhelming, consistent testimony of the New Testament is that Jesus will return. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. The trouble is, we don't know when. None of us do. Not even the charlatans or the false prophets that are surely to arise as soon as we get to another presidential election season in our country, right? And, and they're going to they're gonna claim that they do. They're going to claim that they know. They don't. And the reason that we know that they don't, the reason we know no one knows, is because Jesus tells us so. Three times, actually. Verse 32, but concerning that day or that hour, who knows? No one knows. <laughs> Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so be on guard, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves his home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. A church for over 2,000 years now, God's people have been telling and retelling this parable to ourselves. Whenever there was mocking laughter saying, where's your king? Where's this Jesus that you're so excited about? Wherever there was disappointment, 
Or someone would say, man, I thought for sure God would have come back by now. Whatever distress has befallen his people, leaving them, leaving us, crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come. And every year, when the church calendar turns over from Advent season into January, we're reminded we don't know when. Church, another year is coming on. Post-holiday syndrome, it's real. <laughs> and it combines, doesn't it, with some of the darkest, coldest, some of the loneliest times of the year. It, it combines also with seasonal affective disorder, which some in this room I know we struggle with. In some ways, the, the Christmas season, when you think about it, it's like this, it's like this escape from reality. All the music, all the decor, all the parties, all the snacks and the sweets, some time off work, maybe even a little bit of travel. But now, it's just back to normal. It's back to work. Maybe you get tomorrow off. Any reprieve you've had from sort of the stresses of, of life or work, the things that maybe were set aside during this Magical Christmas time season, right? It's all back now. It all returns. 2023 <laughs> and still no return of Jesus. You feel any of that? Listen, if so, good. I mean, that's, this is part of what it feels like to be a Christian. See, in one sense, in a, in a very deep sense, the entire Christian life is lived in Advent. Waiting, anticipating, turning the calendar over doesn't change any of that. We live between the times. Between the times of Christ's first coming and his second. And if you find that tension unbearable at times, then you understand the Christian life. In fact, if we understand Advent, we'll understand what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is one who is waiting, anticipating. See, in the midst of our not knowing when, what we do know is that. We don't know when Jesus will return, but we read this parable, we read the rest of the New Testament, and we do know that he will return. He will. And we believe that as Christians. We believe that. It's not a fairy tale. It's not ungrounded hope that we have. We believe it because Scripture teaches it. And Christ promised it. He will return. And in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our anticipation and our hope, what we're charged with is staying awake. Staying awake. In fact... Five times in five verses in three different ways, Jesus tells us this morning, be on guard, keep awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. <laughs> what do you think Jesus wants us to take away from this parable, this passage? Stay awake. You know, recently I've found myself um, nodding off a little more than, a little more than usual. Um, at the movies, or waiting in the car to pick up a kid, having to a choir concert I'm not that proud about. Um, 
sitting on the couch with, with, with the family. And, and Vivian, our youngest, has taken it upon herself. This has literally happened like six times in the last two weeks, I think. Um, she's taken it upon herself to, to, to nudge me when that happens. And she'll say, don't fall asleep, Dad. <laughs> uh, and I, apparently I've got tells when this is happening. I don't know if you have tells. When this is, I, get, I, I grow really quiet, uh, really still. Um, I'm told that sometimes my breathing gets very heavy. And then if I'm really tired, I let out this really awkward, like, moan. I, I can't do anything about that. I, don't, I wish I could change that. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, but it ha- usually wakes me up, right? Um, and when that happens, I get the, I get the nudge. <laughs> don't fall asleep, Dad. Be on guard. Keep awake. Stay awake, Jesus says. And he doesn't mean physically. Right? Like, don't nod off at church on New Year's morning. No, he means spiritually. And he means it for each of us as we wait, as we live this Advent life. And he gives us this little mini parable, beginning in verse 34. He says, picture a great home, bunch of family members, many servants, and there's a a master, the head of it all. Now, the master, he's the one who established the home to begin with. Okay, so without him, there'd be no home. There'd be no reason for it to exist. And he's gone on a journey. And he's put his servants in charge. The house isn't theirs, it's his. They've been left in charge in a sense, but it's his. It's not their house, they're living in it. It's the master's house. And within this home, he's given assignments. Each with his or her own work. And the doorkeeper is commanded to stay awake. In fact, not just the doorkeeper, all are commanded to stay awake. Why? Because the master can return at any time. And he will return. They don't know when, but they know that. They know that he will return. It's promised. It's expected. And therefore, they're to stay awake. They're not to be found sleeping when he returns. They're to be found tending the work that he left for them to do. This is the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord to us. Right here, right now, January 1st, 2023. See, some of us are a little sleepy, aren't we? I mean, all of us are spiritually sleepy in some ways, are we not? We, we grow a little quiet and still spiritually. Our breathing gets a little heavy. Maybe we even let out a moan, right? We grow a little complacent, a little neglectful of the spiritual practices that we've committed to. We give in to resignation or defeat. Sometimes if we're honest, in the moments of spiritual letdown and spiritual darkness or coldness or loneliness, we're tired of waiting. And he's given us work to do. He's given us our station and our portion in this life. He's invited us to involvement in his kingdom in all kinds of unique and particular ways based on our wiring and our gifting. He's charged us to to make and mature disciples, even unleash them to live with gospel faithfulness to the glory of God. We're charged ourselves to mature and be unleashed as living gospel witnesses 
living with faithfulness in our places of work, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, right where he has us. But we nod off from time to time. We're growing spiritually sleepy. Spiritually slack or slothful even with the work that he's charged us. And what we need to hear this morning is the reminder and the challenge that the entire Christian life is lived in Advent. It's lived waiting, anticipating his return. And therefore, we're to stay awake. Stay awake. You know, the turn of a new year is a natural time for reflection, isn't it? For resolutions, goal setting, whatever you call it. It's probably a hipper term for that. Thinking about the year ahead. Some of us are, are super into that stuff. Some of us are not. Um, but whether you're into it or not, the, the word of God ought to prompt you this morning to ask yourself the question, what do I need to do to stay awake in 2023? Have you asked yourself that question yet? Have you given any time to reflect on and think forward into the new year, another year of living the Advent life, of waiting and living and anticipating and living. Maybe for you, staying awake this year looks like making a, a plan to spend regular time in God's Word. A plan for reading through the Bible or at least consistently being in it. Like feeding yourself daily with the nourishing word of God. Preparing yourself daily for the false teachers that pop up all over our world. Settling yourself in his presence. Maybe prayer is the way that you need to grow in staying awake this year. What's that going to look like? When's that going to happen? What, what, what needs to happen to make that happen? You know, for, for some of us, the main thing that we need to do to stay awake is go to bed. <laughs> Maybe it's faithfully and consistently attending church. Maybe it's faithfully giving to the church. Maybe that's something you've never trusted the Lord with. Maybe you've got questions about that. It's time to, to get answered. Maybe for you, what you need to do to stay awake this year is to just practice sitting still in silence and solitude in his presence. But the podcast's off because you don't need to learn anything more. You need to experience more of his presence and rest there and listen and stay awake. For some of you younger ones in the room, maybe some not so younger ones in the room. Perhaps taking the step of baptism in 2023 is what you need to do to stay awake, to publicly profess your faith in Jesus and obey him by being baptized. For others, maybe it's time to get involved in a, like in a gospel community or go deeper in your gospel community, grow more consistent in your gospel community, getting to a place where you're sharing stuff that's really going on and inviting others, other believers, to walk deeply alongside you as you walk with Jesus. Staying awake for you looks like inviting others around you who are close enough to give you the nudge. Don't fall asleep. For some, there's, there's sin that needs to be confessed. They're actually walking in darkness and you haven't brought it into the light. 
Maybe there's repentance that you need to walk in, but you're growing sleepy with it. Be on guard, Jesus says. Keep awake. Stay awake. We can put it negatively. What's lulling you to sleep that you need to cut out of your life? We can put it positively. What's helpful on staying awake? For others, church membership is something you need to pursue this year, committing yourself to this body, the members of this body, and inviting the members of this body to commit to you and the pastors to care for and shepherd you. As we stay awake, there's also work for us to do. We don't just stay awake for ourselves. We're the servants in the master's house in this parable. He's, he's left us with work to do in our alertness. And so perhaps for you, you need to give yourself to the work of regularly engaging non-Christians in your life this year, actually inviting them into your home with regularity and consistently witnessing to them. Perhaps you need to recommit to being faithful in all that God has put in front of you in your station and your portion, your family, your workplace, serving in the church with the gifts God's given you, stepping up into leading in different ways and so on. Look, I know that like a, a, a random list like that can, can, it can go in one ear and out the other. It can feel overwhelming. But what's one or two things that you need to do to stay awake in 2023? Hey, would you give like an, an hour this week to praying through that and asking that question and listening to the Lord. Maybe journal it out. Maybe go for a walk and think it out, talking to God about it. Maybe meet with someone else and verbally process it out. And then rather than coming up with some grand plan that'll be in the trash can by February, ask yourself the question, what, what do I need to do just like this week just to get started? How do I just start small and give myself to staying awake in the new year of living the Advent life? And in an all church, <laughs> we keep our eyes fixed on the expectant hope of Christ's return. And we interpret everything that comes our way this year through the lens of Advent. <laughs> the entire Christian life is lived in Advent, and therefore, stay awake. Stay awake. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.